0: E aí Good morning and welcome to Wave Makers on WMNF with Janet and Tom. Conversations with people making a difference in the Tampa Bay region. I'm Janet. And I'm Tom. And answering the phones for us today is the historic John Dunn. If you want to join our conversation, you can give us a call at 813-239-9663 and John will get you through to us. You can also email us at dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885. And we're coming at you fresh off of the uh, fall... Uh, when the spring spring fun drive, drive, um, and we did it, had a great show last week, mate raised a lot of money for the station, but we're about $200 short. So we would love you to give us, uh, to go to WMNF.org and hit that tip jar for Wave Makers and make that donation just to help us reach our goal. We'd really appreciate it. If you're listening right now, we know you love community radio. You love Wave Makers. So help us make that goal.
1: If you're a registered voter in Tampa, today is your last chance to cast a ballot in the city elections. Six city council seats are up for grabs, along with the mayor, though she faces only a write-in candidate. You know, the last time a mayor ran for re-election against only a write-in candidate was 2015, and Bob Buckhorn won with 96% of the vote. It will be interesting to see if Jane Castor matches that 96%, which is... Extraordinary number, let's face it. Uh, you know, uh, the only write-in vote that will be counted, though, is for Belinda Noah, who's qualified as the write-in candidate. So if you're thinking of writing in someone else like, oh, I don't know, Tom Brady or some <laughs> other <laughs> Tom, um, just know it won't be counted, which could lead to a lot of undervotes, which means people not mm-hmm. voting in the mayor's race but voting in the city council elections. When Buckwin was elected, uh, there was about a 10% undervote, people who didn't vote in the mayoral race, so we'll see if it's smaller or higher this time. So those are the anyway, numbers to look at. Yeah, polls are closing at 7, and the first results should be within 15 minutes. But today...
0: Today, um, this is our first show of Women's History Month, um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about women in historic preservation with two women who know a lot about it. Um, Linda Salsena is with us. She was a longtime city council member and county planner and an activist who's been involved in historic preservation both locally and around the state of Florida.
2: Welcome, Linda. Good morning. I'm happy to be here.
0: And also with us with us is Jane Hernandez, a Tampa native and graduate of the University of Tampa, incoming president of the Chislers, a group of determined women who have spent more than a half century maintaining and restoring one of Tampa's most important buildings, the former Plant Hotel, now Plant Hall at the University of Tampa. Welcome, Jane.
3: Thank you, Janet.
0: Linda, let's start with you and talk a little bit generally about women in historic preservation and and the role that women have played nationally in um, pres- pres- uh, preserving historic structures and and buildings and sites throughout the country.
2: Women have been at the forefront since buildings started being saved. The first group in the eighteen you you said it, Janet, eighteen thirties or forties, were the women to save. Mount Vernon, uh, George Washington's home.
0: The Mount Vernon Ladies' Association. Right.
2: That was the very first initiative anywhere in the country to recognize that saving historic buildings is worth doing. And then subsequently, um, in taking it down to the state of Florida, we have our own rock star, Joan Genewine, who got the Tampa Preservation Inc. going, and she created the Florida Trust for Historic Preservation and for two decades, served on the board of the National Trust for Historic Preservation. So she truly was the the energizer for preservation in Florida. Again, a local woman.
0: What are some What are some of the structures that have been saved around Florida that are particularly interesting historic structures?
2: Well, the the, the very first important structure was the state capitol. It's this beautiful domed building in Tallahassee and when these, in my opinion, really hideous (laughs) Uh, towers on either side of it, were proposed they were going to get rid of the original state capitol. And I went down there to march for the preservation of this, and there were women from all over the state who showed up and said, don't tear down our historic capitol. There's a beautiful place in Fort Fort Lauderdale called the Bonnet House. A very eccentric artist and his wife created this fanciful, um, it's honestly not i can't say it's a particular style cuz it's too imaginative Eclectic. for that yeah. yes yeah. filled with the guys artwork and again it's open to the public uh you know you pay a small entry fee but the florida trust has really been the the catalyst organization to identify buildings that are that are in that are in play that are you know potentially going to be lost throughout the state and rally the local folks to uh step up and work for their salvation. The, the Florida Trust has also been the most effective statewide organization to lobby the state for dollars for preservation.
0: Hmm. Um, you know, we're talking about women in preservation and the roles that they've played. I was recently in St. Augustine at the Jimenez Facio House, which is an old boarding house from, hmm. um, in St. Augustine. And the Colonial Dames of America, a group of women, um, bought that property in 1839, um, and it's been a museum, um, ever since.
1: And St. Augustine. Or 1939. Versus,
0: I'm sorry yeah, about that. 1939. 1939 Nineteen thirty has been a museum ever since it had been a boarding house in the late 1800s, but that, and they buy properties all over the country and preserve them. So what, do you have any thoughts on why it is you think that women play a leadership role in this, um, arena?
2: Linda, curious because women are really consciousness conscious of, of beautiful architecture, and traditionally women had the time to volunteer to get involved in these sorts of things. And on a just about every community has a support group, and in the past it's always been women. But now, thankfully, men are involved also because we need all hands on deck. Need all hands on deck. Well, there's
1: also a, a debate often about you know what makes something historic. Just because it's old, you hear from people. Well, that doesn't make it historic, but as we walked through St. Augustine recently and looking at some of the plaques on buildings, you realize history is what you make it. History is the stories of the people who lived there. Sometimes they're famous people. Washington slept here, right? That's the famous line. But what was fascinating to me was it's the small stories of people who lived in those buildings that really bring that history to life. Can you talk about the, the, the trouble you had maybe in the past of getting people to understand the importance of saving these older buildings?
2: Absolutely. The, a, a great example is Tampa has exactly one uh, house from the 1880s that's a style called Second Empire. So this house, which was in Hyde Park, Tampa's first fancy neighborhood, um, had been turned into a a fraternity house. So you can imagine the state it was (laughs) in. It was just trashed. And uh, Joan Jen Wine, who founded Tampa Preservation, bought it for like $30,000. And there was a local uh, property appraiser named Lance Trigg, who said, I'll push a peanut around the block with my nose if you get your (laughs) $30,000 out of this. And of course, it sold recently for I think three million. I oh mean, the point The point is people didn't have any imagination about that old things were good and why they should be saved. I mean, the basic ethic of Florida, ethic, has always been build it, build it, build it and not protect and value and honor the Keeping past. Keeping
1: both eyes on the future and never looking back, which mm-hmm. is why so many of the homes in Ybor City were torn down through urban renewal and the model cities program. So many homes that if they were in New Orleans would have been preserved, it would have been part of the French Quarter. And and again, they'd be $2 million today.
2: Well, but that's why we have to protect West Tampa, which at this time has no protections. It makes me crazy. We've got these cigar factories in West Tampa. A couple of them right now are being renovated. Hallelujah. A couple of others have trees growing out of the roof and they are not protected because the city of Tampa has, and, and this is city council, that's why today's election is so important, please everybody go out and vote for people who care about old buildings. City council has been unwilling to protect buildings if the owner doesn't want to. And that's just foolish, because when somebody buys a cigar factory, they know it's a cigar factory. They know it's a historic building. This is not a surprise. And they should understand that they need to be good stewards of it. And if they don't feel like they have the wherewithal to protect it and stabilize it, then they need to sell it to somebody who will. If you're just
0: tuning in, you're listening to Wavemakers on WMNF, and we're talking about historic preservation with Linda Salcena and Jane Hernandez. Specifically, we're talking about women in historic preservation, with women in historic preservation, on this um, Tuesday in Women's History Month. If you'd like to join the conversation, give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org. And I know I'd love to hear... What is your favorite historic structure in the Tampa Bay area or in Florida? Is there a gem that you have, something that you love? Is it is it your own home? Is it a neighborhood? Is it Ybor City? Love to hear what you have to say. Send us an email at dj at wmnf.org or give us a call at 813-239-9663. Um, Linda, we were talking yesterday about getting ready for the show, we're talking about again that Jimenez Facio House in St. Augustine. One of the things that they've done recently, as I said, it's a boarding house. Um, It was a boarding house and for many years, all the exhibits there talked about all of the famous white people that came and stayed at that boarding house and the w- white women who ran that boarding house. And they've recently updated their exhibits now, their presentations to include also all of the enslaved people who lived there where they lived. So in addition to the nice, beautiful rooms, they actually take guests up to the attic where where the enslaved people lived in cramped quarters and even the visiting enslaved people who were traveling with um, their enslavers. So... Let ta- and I've heard other historical, um, inst- the Goodwood Museum in Tallahassee also is doing the same thing. Talk about that a little bit, about preserving black history um, in terms of buildings and how we show that in our structures.
2: This is a shift. I'm so glad you brought that up. It used to be preservation was for white people about big white houses, big big houses. We're where mm-hmm. famous white men lived. And in the last thirty years, maybe even forty, the consciousness has shifted. So, for example, if you go to Monticello, monticello, Thomas Jefferson's home, they've they've redone where the enslaved people lived and tell the story fully. And that's becoming more there's there's a Awareness that we need to tell the full story of the place. But the other thing that's happening that's exciting is the National Trust for Historic Preservation has started investing in uh, sites where the Black communities rallied and that were important. And it's it's a little more challenging because oftentimes because people didn't have the resources, the buildings are not in good shape or they haven't been protected as well. But those stories are so critically important. And I don't know if y'all have heard of the Rosenwald schools, a family named the Rosenwalds after the civil war came through the South and built schools for free men's children. Mm -hmm. And these, there were, there were hundreds and now there are maybe a couple of dozen left, but they're being, they're beginning to be preserved. In Florida. Well, in Florida and throughout the throughout the country, well, throughout the south, the south, the south, Uh, because it it is an important part of the culture, getting allowing kids to be Educated. educated, and in Tampa we have this. Great uh, mural in the sidewalk in front of what used to be St. Benedict the Moor School in Ybor City that tells the story of the white nuns who were jailed in 1916 for teaching black students at St. Benedict the Moor School to read because the Florida legislature had made it illegal for white people to teach black people to read. The the convent was torn down thanks to Steve LaBrake, the previously... Uh corrupt city staff member. (laughs) But there are 40 houses that were moved to the site as part of the widening of I-4. And Tampa Preservation led that with working with the Florida Department of Transportation. So now there are all these cute little casitas that have been renovated. And there's this poem. Well, it's It's interesting
1: in St. Augustine, they're doing the same thing. If you had visited 20 years ago, you would not have seen very much black history being told there. But now it's all—it's all over. They've incorporated into it because St. Augustine was the site of some of the most important civil rights uh, uh, demonstrations, protests in the country. In yeah. the country, it, it had huge impacts on the the civil rights uh, law laws. Um, and now, it, you can, for example, Andrew Young was attacked during a peaceful protest right in downtown St. Augustine, mm-hmm. and there's now signs explaining what happened there. So you are getting a much richer, fuller uh, sense of the history of, of that incredibly historic city.
0: Um, let's turn to you, Jane, and talk a little bit about, um, th- thanks for waiting, um, sure. a talk about the Chislers, the organization that is t- has done so much work in Tampa for
3: the University of Tampa. Tell us about the history of the organization. Sure. Um, the Chislers was started by a group of women, which the... The real start of it was Sonny DeLoe, who was the wife of the president, David DeLoe, who came to the university in like 1933 to take it on. But she, just like Linda said, a woman who was taken in by that building, and it was in really bad disrepair at that time. Tell us
1: about that building for the listeners who are not familiar with plant hall uh-huh. at the
0: university, which are the at minarets. The, Those are the big minarets that you see over downtown Tampa's exactly. university yeah, plant yeah. hall at the university of Tampa. It
1: started off as a hotel. So it was the Tampa Bay hotel, the, how, right? How that came to be. Sure. Year and who made sure.
3: Henry plant, um, who is a name most of us know here in Tampa, built that as a hotel back. He started, Construction was started in 1888. Was completed in 1891, um, and he he envisioned it as a place for his um, railway to come and bring people to um, this beautiful resort. And um, it was the first fully electrified building um, in the state of Florida. Wow! At the time, okay, which that. was it's it's so interesting, um, and I, and I think too people probably don't realize too how really large the building is. It's, you know, over 325,000 square feet. It's actually a quarter of a mile long. So wow. you can do your laps there, in the building. <laughs> get your exercise in over a thousand windows. Um, and it was one of the first like brick buildings, you know, we weren't seeing at that time buildings being built of brick, but, um, yeah, it's a it's just a beautiful, beautiful building that lasted as a hotel up until the thirties. Uh, the city of Tampa then um sold it or leased it, offered it to lease to it was actually like Tampa College. At the, the city time. of Tampa
1: must have bought it from the They did. Plant they bought it or something or
3: well, no, um and I can't tell you exactly who they're There's a lot of little kind of crazy history about it, but it was purchased by his city for like $125,000, but they offered it to Tampa College at the time. In fact, it was very interesting. I just learned not too long ago that the college was offered two different buildings. One was on Davis Island and the other was the old hotel on the river and they chose that building and, and kind of the interesting thing as far as preservation is that that building that was on Davis Island that they were offered is no longer there. So it does make a difference. Um, the university and, and chiselers if, if we both probably if we both weren't there, more than likely that building could not be there.
1: So the chiselers grew out of uh, some concern. Right. About the state of the building. Exactly. It was owned by the city leased to the college. And so tell us about how they were formed and what they did.
3: Sure. So like I mentioned, Sunny DeLow, who was the president's wife, she was taken in by the disrepair of some fireplaces that are actually located in the grand salon of, of Plant Hall. And they were just in really bad disrepair. And she... Decided to get some of her friends together, and they'd started working on chiseling mortar off of these tiles to clean them up and, and kind of put that those fireplaces back. Um, through that, they got their name, the chiselers. chiselers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And then, um, what was it like ladies with tools? I exactly. like that. Exactly. So in the very beginning, they were actually doing some of the work themselves, not not just being fundraisers to mm-hmm. do to do the work. Um, and but then at, in '59 they also started fundraising. They had a punch party mm-hmm. <laughs> with a money tree, and they <laughs> raised nine hundred dollars. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> so now you know we're we're raising money through different events and and such, which then we apply for matching grants and double our dollars and you know impact. What is what are some of the big
0: improvements you've made to um, the? You plant all over the years. Building.
3: Lots of different projects. Uh, we And we currently have a state um, ca- special category grant that is open right now. And work is being done to replace the um, roof over the music room, mm-hmm. which is actually, it's just probably a little more than 1% of the building. And that roof, it'll End up being over a million dollars. So the chiselers are putting in 500,000 and the state is putting in the other 500 to repair and replace that roof. And have you ever done any work on the minarets over the years? The minarets, yep. Replaced windows, have repointed bricks, repaired foundation, replaced, you know, flooring. Um,
1: and the minarets are the most distinctive part of that architecture, which is called Moorish, Moorish. right? A, can you tell us why? Henry Plant chose that style of architecture. You don't see that very often.
3: I know. I, I think he was just really kind of taken in with all of that. And in, in fact, you know, in, in all the furnishings and all that he put in too, he, he and his wife traveled to Europe and purchased all of these beautiful things that they could put into that building. But um, yeah, I, why he was particularly enamored with that type of architecture,
2: I can't really tell. I believe it was because it was exotic. And this is a southern climate and he's offering people, he's trying to entice people to a place they'd never heard of, Tampa. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to promise them a new and interesting experience. And it certainly was that.
1: Yes, it was. (laughs) And So one of your big uh, uh, ways of raising money is the Chisler's Market. Uh, When is that happening? And tell us a little bit about that.
3: So this weekend is Market Weekend. And so Friday, we have a um, market Minaret Mixer, where we are giving people the opportunity to come in and purchase items ahead of, you know, the market day when admission is free and, well, and the public comes.
0: Let's go step back and talk about what the market is. So okay. the market is a big, um, like a flea market kind of thing, but not flea because it's high end stuff, like a state sale. So you're going to basically have all of these items at Plant Hall and people come and you can buy them. And what kind of items are they? And where do they come
1: from?
3: So Janet, the the items are donated by um, supporters of Chisler's and um, the university and those are donated all year. So all year, Chislers donate time in a warehouse, taking the items in, and and it's like furniture, silver, we've jewelry, got furniture, china, crystal, silver, um, collectibles, plants, clothes, books, books art, yep. furniture. Yeah, we kind of got it all. <laughs> <laughs> and and we also have um, we also put on a silent auction. Okay, which what they do is in that area is they try to take all of the kind of the best, the cream of the crop and put it in there for people to bid on instead mm-hmm. of just putting a, a price tag on. And that did open this morning. So people can bid right now. <laughs> and you, you do that by going online? Online, online too. They can go to the Chisler's website, which is the or And the direct link to the auction is chislers twenty twenty three. Dot givesmart.com. Okay.
1: And how much money do you raise through this? Uh,
3: the market January. itself usually raises, um, probably about 160,000. Um, we also have our event party, which with through sponsorships and all, we raise another probably 150.
1: Wow. That's so, impressive.
0: Um, Can you tell us how you ended up becoming part of the Chiseler's organization? You are now the incoming president, if I didn't say that yet, and vice president of restoration.
3: So tell us how long you've been with the organization and how you came to be a part of it. I've been a Chiseler for about 14 years, Um, like you mentioned earlier. I'm a, a Tampa native and graduated from the University of Tampa, fell in love with the building, many years ago, um, but then through um, a friend, learned about the chiselers who kind of pulled me in and been there ever since. And the more I've learned about the building and the work that's needed, uh, you, you can't like not want to do more.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Wave Makers on WMNF with Janet and Tom. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about... Um, historic preservation and specifically about some of the things going on in the Tampa area um, right after this.
1: WMNF is here for you every day. Will you be here for us every month by joining the Circle of Friends? Help support this community asset by giving at WMNF.org. Thanks.
0: Hi, my name is
2: Wellington Echegaray from Brandon, Florida. I've been listening to WMNF since I moved here uh from austin texas so about a year and a half and i'm um, really enjoying the programming from WMNF. uh in my opinion the, the news should be unbiased informative and truthful and uh, that's exactly what i'm getting from WMNF, especially with the shows of uh, democracy now uh the economic update and true talk So I think that the Tampa Bay community relies on all the informative programming
0: and the cultural programming that WMNF offers. And as I wanted to say,
2: uh, just keep up the great work.
3: You can support WMNF too. Give online at WMNF.org or through the smartphone app. And if
0: you give online right now and direct your donation to Wavemakers, we'd be eternally grateful. We're looking to raise another $200 to make our goal for the um, most recent fund drive. Um, if you're just tuning in, we're talking about historic preservation, and I'd love to hear from you about what your favorite historic structure is in the Tampa Bay area or how you think we're doing in terms of protecting our historic assets. Um, we have an email from David Bryant. He emailed us at dj at and you can do that too. Or call us at 813-239-9663. David says, thank you so much for the great show. I love the UT campus, and the historic buildings are gorgeous. I've taken out-of-town guests to the Plant Museum a few times, and they loved it. I also really like that newest chapel building that is used for music and other special <laughs> events on the campus. Um, for historic buildings in Tampa, I really like the Sulphur Springs Water Tower but it looks rough and needs a cleaning and paint job. Perhaps special tours of the tower with trips to the top could be used to raise funds for the improvements.
1: I was out there Sunday uh, volunteering for WMNF at the Brewers Bowl uh, Beer Festival, and I hadn't been to an event there uh, since they kind of reopened it to events. And David's right. It it is in really bad shape. It it needs to at least be pressure washed. And if if not after it's pressure washed, it it needs a serious uh, uh, painting.
2: What... That building, the Sulphur Springs Water Tower, it received state money and the the county got the money for it. They promised to put in bathrooms to have things like the Florida Orchestra perform there or any kind of real community event. You need flush toilets. And I think that that would be a great site. That part of town doesn't have a lot of great parks. And that's a beautiful place on the river. And it in my opinion, just needs yep. some. Agreed. It needs to be improved and then used more extensively. So, so remember
1: that when you go to the polls today, vote for people <laughs> who will support historic preservation. People,
0: I think actually there was at one point going to be like a Walmart or something or a Walgreens. Yes, yes. yes I was. They, Dick Greco I, was the mayor, and they,
2: I, I was on city council, and yeah. I I I told the neighborhood had a rally, and they did a great job, and they got it voted down. But that's the other thing: preservation takes. Public involvement. It really does. Or it takes somebody who'll be smart as a developer and say, hmm, tax credits. I think I'll save this and take advantage of the tax credits. And there are even more being discussed actually in this uh, legislative session. So that would be great.
0: Um, what kind of how, what kind of a job do you think Tampa is doing or the Tampa Bay area is doing in
2: terms of historic
0: preservation?
2: Well, let me send kudos to St. Petersburg. They have this great organization called Preserve the Berg. Oh, in fact, we had Manny Lato on our show. He's well, the executive he's, director. He's, yep. he's yeah. terrific. And Manny, and they have so many activities. So, inspired by that, we have a new organization in Tampa called the Center for Architecture and Design. and. Um, I'm in, I'm a board member, and we when are was trying. was it created? It was well. It's the it's the not for profit wing of the AIA. It was created about two years ago. Okay.
1: Architecture AIA is the uh,
2: American Institute of Architects. So we're right. the the not for profit wing, but we've just gotten going in terms of activities: uh, walking tours, lectures, um, films about preservation, and this is exciting. In May, the AIA and Center for Architecture and Design is going to open their office on Howard Avenue uh, in West Tampa, and that will be a place that we have many of these activities come from. But in April, we've got Design Week, and we're going to have a bunch of stuff going on, and if anybody's interested, I'll give Janet... The info and she can share it. So
0: tell me what that's gonna. What kind of activities can we expect? Films,
2: walking tours, lectures. We're doing a tour of the J.C. Newman Scar Factory, which is a beautiful example of restoration. We're having a, in Lakeland. There's this great place called Bonnet Springs, which is sort of a model community. It's not historic, but it's like great design, very sustainable, environmentally plugged in. And we're having a tour of that. And we're having walking tours of na- of something called um the, the middle housing in the middle which is not huge high rises not single family homes but in an, in order to create more affordable housing we're going to have a program on that
0: like a tours of like fourplexes and quad- yes. like that kind yes. of thing yes was, there's a lot of those, that's a good idea
1: there's a lot of those in the older neighborhoods in in Tampa that were built I guess before World War II and they fit in very nicely in Hyde Park, uh, Virginia Park, in our neighborhood, uh, Seminole Heights. Uh, I, I at some point I, something happened, Linda, and they stopped the allowing. zoning
2: disallowed it in a certain way. But but we we the city is redoing our zoning code, and you might want to have Steve Benson, who's the city staff person, who's working on that. Um, but we we need to use the alleys for the parking so that on the street it's friendly, like it is in these older neighborhoods, and not just a parking lot, and then some buildings shoved in the back. It's really about thinking about a livable city. Interestingly, the uh, um, there are a number of organizations that are engaged and involved in this, including the, what's it for older people? Um, AARP. So, AARP is a huge proponent of the... Uh, Additional dwelling units that people
1: can put in bag. We're going to have Jeff Johnson, uh, who's the head of AARP Florida, on uh, later this month, and that's one of the things we'll talk to him about. Because uh, they represent older people, obviously, but older people want to stay in their homes, and they don't want to go to nursing homes. They want to age in place, and it's hard to do if you can't find a reasonable place to live
2: precisely
1: yeah
0: um we have an email from Annie Ellis who says she was on the corner with protest protest signs with friends to say the Sulphur Springs Tower she says it was an Eckerd's she believes it was an Eckerd's that wanted to go there remember Eckerd's drug stores oh, yeah. back in the or day or maybe it
2: was a Walgreens i don't exactly remember but i remember her and yeah. it worked and it yes worked. and
0: annie says send my love to Linda she's the best so oh, yes well, linda please. is the best Thank you. so glad to have you here <laughs> talking about uh, about historic preservation we were talking earlier about um, um black sites and and black history sites and the Jackson House is a as a place in Tampa that it's just every time you drive by it it's so sad to watch it crumbling
2: more and more. Are you involved in that and tell us what's happening with that? I brought um I I, I went before city. I was off of city council. Uh, Bob Buckhorn was threatening to tear it down. I went before city council and begged them to save it. They got some money to uh, stabilize it, but it's still it's it's the it's the termites holding hands yeah, that are looks keeping like it up.
1: A, a stiff wind would knock it down. Yeah,
2: I'm not. It's really sad. Honestly, I I'd love it to be saved, but I'm not wholly optimistic. As I am concerned about Kylie Garden, which was this magnificent uh you know landscapes are historic too this was created by a master landscape architect uh adjacent to the round building downtown and it there were leaks the city repaired the leaks never put the trees back and its fate is is unknown but i want to shout out To Lena Young Green, who is a uh, community leader in Tampa Heights, who saved a former wave
1: maker on this show, show. we had her on a few months ago talking about all the activism. She's just legendary in Tampa.
2: She's marvelous, and she saved a historic church on Palm Avenue. And I also want to note Nuchi Vega Smith, who created the, uh, the Banner Awards, which for many years were what people sought to receive some recognition because they'd invested in their homes and fixed them up, and, and uh, then they'd get a banner award. We're hoping, as uh, the Center for Architecture and Design, to bring those ban- banners of recognition back to people who really knock uh. themselves out. So, getting
1: But getting back to our main t- subject of, of women involved in historic preservation, I, I, I think that was also true in, I, I think, what was the first historic preservation uh, district in Tampa in High Park, right? We're
2: Actually, Ebor was first. Ebor was first, okay. but but we have to recognize Jan Abel and Stephanie Farrell, who are both local architects. Yes. Stephanie's still with us, and and
1: Jan sadly is and, not.
2: Right, but they both worked very hard to individually save houses and structures, but also help. With organizations like the Friday Morning Music Hall, teaching the, the board members how to write grants to access the state money to save the, the buildings. It,
1: it, but that is an example of how difficult it was to save what is now acknowledged. Uh, just a, a stunning, like, just stay with Hyde Park for a second. How difficult it was to talk about how, what did it take to create that? Because a lot of people were against it.
2: Well, I have to say... I was a young, young planner at the time, and the school board wanted to tear down Gory School and make it into a parking lot for Wilson uh-huh. because they couldn't fathom that young families would buy old houses. I mean, the consciousness here was really limited.
1: Well, let's go. And- so in the 70s, people started leaving and, and going to Carrollwood or Brandon, and they were abandoning Tampa. And right. so Hyde Park, uh, when I moved here in 1980, you could buy a house for, you know... Twenty thirty thousand dollars exactly. Houses are now like going the, for $2 that, you
2: sent the frat exactly. house, <laughs> right? Jan Abel. The way that I met her, she w- wanted to buy a house on Newport, one of the fanciest streets in Hyde Park, a block and a half off Bayshore, for thirty six thousand dollars. There you go. She was full time employed. Her husband was full time employed. They couldn't get a loan from a white bank. This is a great story. So they went to the black ba- banks. Were segregated in those days. She went to Community Federal, where James Jim Hargrett. Was a lender. Uh-huh. Former she, state senator. Right. And she gave him a pep talk on the value of preservation. He lent her the money. And then he became a state congressperson and then senator. And then he became a huge proponent of preservation. Huh. And his assistant was Lena Young Green. Oh. That's right. That
0: is like that, closing that loop. That was good. We got an email. I want to read an email from Baba who says, I love the tours of the historic Frank Lloyd Wright buildings at Florida Southern College in Lakeland. I recommend that listeners check out the tours. And thanks for sharing that because I have not been there yet, and I want to go. I really want to see it. It's really amazing that that is here in Florida
2: I had right? a I had a roommate a long time ago named Linda Bassett and she created a TV series under the umbrella of WEDU. is was called Fantasy of Florida, Dreams Expressed in Architecture. And we should dig up that film, because it's wonderful. It's like a statewide look at all the amazing buildings in the state.
1: Well, another amazing building that was saved, thanks to the city of Tampa buying, it was Tampa Theater. And I think yes. a lot of people who live here today can't even imagine the city without Tampa Theater. Yet even that, preserving that, was difficult, right?
2: 3-4 vote. It was a- shocking. <laughs> shocking. People this- actually
1: voted against preserving that building?
2: Yes, 3 of them. Fortunately, 4 voted to save it. Yep. But Do we actually know who they were. Yeah, I know that Jan Platt voted against it, which it's is ironic sh- cuz she's since changed her mind. But this Thursday at Tampa City Council, there's going to be a vote about spending CRA money on the Tampa Theater. So if y'all care about it, you should let them know that it that the last part of renovation and and uh stabilization needs to happen. And they should ask council members, sitting as the CRA, the, the Community Redevelopment Agency, to vote for money for the Tampa Theater.
0: Um, we got an email from Ray Roa. Hi, Ray. Hi, Ray. It an awesome show on WMNF on uh,
1: on Fridays, Fridays at, at 11. At 11. Um, yeah. the, skinny the Skinny is also the editor of Creative Loafing. He has a- really revitalized that weekly newspaper and turned it into a news force.
0: And he has a question for Linda. What are the prospects of finding the 9 to $11 million to get started on Kylie Gardens?
2: I have been pushing for this. <laughs> I, the city has been completely quiet about making the financial commitment but that's the, a lot of money though
1: let's let's face it i mean they can they can barely pave the streets and, and fill right. pot, potholes so
2: it, this was a world class yes. th- garden that was extraordinary that it was built in tampa now out of the 9 to 11 million that is just to stabilize the parking garage the trees might the part i really care about only a mere 2 million i mean that's like <laughs> pocket change but the city has to make the commitment to do something with that parking structure and if i were the people in the round building, I'd be fussing and saying, y'all need to step up and do this.
1: Well, as a result of the problems there, the Gasperla Music Festival's future is now in question. They're supposed to be, you know, they're supposed to be having a, a festival
2: this well month they're or not next
1: month, and they're not and it's not really clear Although frankly I think
2: that I just was at the art festival this this past weekend it, which was held at the Julian Lane Park. That's a great park. That That's could be a it. site for the music festival just putting it out
0: there. Um well we had um, Bubba who talked about doing tours of the Frank Lloyd, uh, uh, of the Frank Lloyd Right buildings, and then of course um, David talked about tours of the Sulphur Springs Tower. Jean, can you tell us what about at? Can you tour the University at Plant Hall? Can you go get tours there, and what opportunities are there for
3: that? That's that's so interesting that you that comes up. We um, have actually had a member who has been interested in developing an architectural tour that Mm. the Chislers would you know then sponsor or do get Chislers involved in it, Um, and we're working with. Or currently, Rowe Architects is working for the university, and they have been working on a um, 3D computer model of Mm -hmm. the building, which will give them all the detail they need to really make some improvements. There are tours in the building all the time, but they aren't being done um, by us. Mm -hmm. It's it's very interesting because you'll see um, some of the cruise ships (laughs) come in. It is a public building. It's open- you know, seven days a week, but we do have the museum okay. in in the building, and that is definitely worth you know going to and and they can tell so much about that time and and the example of the rooms and and how things went went down at that time. And do you right, see
0: much of the building when you're there at the market when you're there for the market um, this weekend? Saturday is the big day of the market, correct? Absolutely.
3: Yes, we will. We're actually spread out through the entire building, so that's a great part of coming and and you know, being a part of the market, even if you don't make a purchase, which we hope you will, because that's <laughs> that's how we get those funds. But we would love for you to come and and see the how beautiful this building it's is throughout
0: the entire building. Because I, I know when I've gone there, I tend to go in and go to where I'm supposed to be rather than meandering around and looking at what's there. So at the market, there would be an opportunity to do that, I would imagine. Perfect opportunity for that.
2: The market is a fabulous deal. The prices of plants and books and everything that you have are so affordable and it's so much fun. It is. As in,
3: are they antiques? Some are. Some you, you can find all kinds of things. And as Linda said... You can't beat the prices. Oh, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> um, and over the over the the year when
0: the chislers are collecting all the material and putting it in the warehouses, I understand they kind of become expert appraisers and under, start to over the years have become experts on this stuff.
3: Can you explain that? Time in the warehouse will teach you a lot. Um, we we learn a lot, oftentimes from the donor, the person who's you know giving that item. You uh-huh. know, maybe it was their grandmother's. You know. Rocker or whatever, or this is my, you know, great grandmother's silver teapot. Mm-hmm. But also, any anymore, the the internet <laughs> is a great opportunity to do some research on items, and and we do that all the time. Who are, who are the people who are making the donations? Are they a lot of times it's members, um, family or friends that they've let know, you mm-hmm. know, that that we do that that you can donate items to us instead of. Maybe you know Goodwill or Salvation Army or a, a, or a different nonprofit, but um, oftentimes too it's just people who have had some kind of connection with the university and knows about can you say and you know we've been talking about women in preservation about
0: how this organization the Chislers has lasted so long when I think there are fewer and fewer organizations like this you know women 's groups and, and involved in this what is To what do you attribute the longevity of this organization?
3: I think probably it's a lot of it's just love for the building. It's hard, you know, you wouldn't want to step away and see something happen to the building. And then I think too, a lot of us, you know, you you come into an organization and you work hard together and you develop friendships and and that would make it, again, hard to step away from, you know, the organization.
1: And I would just like to interrupt this wonderful conversation. (laughs) Which is involving donations to mention and thank Jerry Lasseter of Lakeland, who just made a $210 pledge to WMF, to Wavemakers. Thank, thank you. you. That puts us across our goal. We have now met our goal. I want to thank you, Jerry, for, 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 for being the one that did that. And he would just like me to say, thank God for women. That's his oh oh, oh, oh nice.
2: thank you. That is
1: awesome. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you so much. That means we get to stay on the air for a little while longer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> thank I, you. I, I was just thinking about why women have been in the fore of preservation. And I think part of it has to do with the traditional role of women as homemakers mm-hmm. and keeping our family stories alive and feeling attached to buildings and feeling that it's our responsibility to advocate for the protection of these places that have such central meaning in our lives and that we love so much mm-hmm. and i think that that and and that working on these things collectively is something that's enjoyable and something that's kind of traditional
0: mm
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: um as our as have we fallen behind though in tampa in terms of having Laws or anything protecting structures, or what is there something that we could be doing that we're not doing? Here's what I
1: I want to know. I I love this question, and also point out recently that probably the oldest building in downtown Tampa was recently torn down. And and you heard arguments then there's nothing historic about that building, just tear it down. Uh, But unfortunately, it had not been. Uh, landmarked by the city. The city had not declared it right. a historic had- structure. Some, uh, this guy buys the property, and it's zoned for high-rises, and he's thinking, okay, I'm just going to build a high-rise. Next thing you know, people are up in arms over it. So a lot of the stuff should be done ahead of time before people spend millions of dollars thinking they can tear it down. But I, I don't see much effort now. Or, or to, so to Janet's point, have we fallen behind? Linda?
2: It's it's a question <laughs> of funding the staff to get ahead of the curve. We have neighborhoods who have been asking and begging for different historic protections, and the staff is just slammed keeping up. What we need to do, obviously, is invest more in additional staff or consultants to get ahead of the curve and protect things before they're threatened with demolition. And I went to the public hearing for that building and spoke, as did many people, and we left the hearing thinking that the tar building was safe. However, later, the attorneys for the hmm. for the petitioner said, oh, no, 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 it's in such bad shape, and we didn't really present this properly. Bottom line is, a a decision was negotiated between the attorneys. A preservation decision needs to be made in the public, for the public, with the public input, and elected officials who understand that this is important to save. Mm-hmm. But, it, but we need the investment in additional staff to do the protection before it's a crisis moment. Yeah, because it seems like, because
1: uh, I've been here a long time, going back into the 90s uh, when the likes Brothers tore down the first National Bank and the Tampa Gas Building, two of the most, most historic buildings in downtown Tampa. That's now the site of a, a, a little park, Gas Park or whatever, Gaslight Park. Um, it's a nice little park, but somehow they just could not Preserve those buildings it was supposed to be the site of the likes brothers world corporate headquarters. that was the excuse they used to tear those down is they were never built and now we have a nice little park but uh, have the courts been ruling against these kinds of efforts, is that part of the problem?
2: That is part of the problem. Okay. Part of the problem is that we're in the state of Florida where developers seem to win in the courts all the time. And that particular loss was acute. My, my kids asked me at the time as I was crying and taking you know little artifacts from from below the wrecking ball, they said, how come if you were right you lost? You know, a pretty Mm -hmm. astute question. And I said, because of ignorance, because the people making the decision to tear this building down and the people, the other people who voted in the majority to allow it to be torn down, don't understand the repercussions of what they're doing. And for that, we need education. We need public education about why historic buildings are important. And that's why I'm a volunteer for this you know, Center for Architecture and Design. But we needed to be in the schools, frankly, we needed to be a really vivid part of public discourse. And it would be lovely, although I'm not holding my breath, for platforms of communication like newspapers, and y'all are doing it as a radio, to discuss why historic buildings Enrich our lives and our community. We, one, have,
1: uh, we have an email from Bubba again uh, pointing out that one building on the University of Tampa campus that doesn't get much attention is the Falk Theater. Can you all speak about
2: that? At is, least it's there. It's intact. UT uses it.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, in fact, they, they hold events there all the time. So it is, it is still so As long there as it's being used, it's probably going to It is be being in, used. In fact, um, last weekend they had the Miss Tampa pageant there. So. I haven't seen anything there in forever.
0: But it, Do you no, have a favorite um, historic um, structure or three? And Linda, tell
1: us what your three favorite historic structures are. Oh, Tampa
2: are. Theater. I love the Tampa Theater so much. It makes my heart happy to walk in there.
1: Nothing historic about that building, though. You're, you're being I am being sarcastic because I, I had a, a debate with a friend of mine who was saying the uh, downtown building we just discussed, nothing historic about that. Oh, really, what's historic about the Tampa Theater? Oh, I can't imagine the city without... Right, what's, but what's historic about it? There's, it's beautiful, though. I mean, and and the histories and the stories, like I said earlier, that can be told about that theater.
2: There's also, this is kind of exciting, there is an auditorium behind the Centro Española in West Tampa, which is currently used by the Hillsborough Educational Foundation. And I, I'm hoping that sometime, maybe, you know, 20 years down the road or whatever, that, that they get even more expanded quarters and that we're able to bring that auditorium back as an auditorium. There there are so many great buildings that are just, that need support. I love the Friday Morning Music Hall. It's a cute little auditorium in Hyde Park right across from Corey School. And I believe the school uses it for some of their their activities, but charming.
0: So Linda, we have a few minutes left. Tell us a little bit more about the um, Center for... Architecture and design. Architecture and design and how people can learn more about it. Yeah, is there a website or There's a
2: website called the Center for Architecture and Design. Okay, and so, it's Tampa Bay. It's both sides. Which okay. is why during design week we'll have some activities in in Saint Petersburg as well. And it's 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 an I'm the advocacy chair because I believe that If people raise their voices, things get saved. Oh, like the Port Tampa Library. Everybody needs to check it out. It's got a great maritime room. It was saved because the community spoke up. And that's the kind of activism we need. And then Brandon, there's a historic house, actually on State Road 60, that's charming and has been preserved from the late 1800s.
0: Here's John Steffen, a recording engineer um, with the Florida Orchestra, says that um, Springs Theater... That is his favorite historic...
1: Sulphur Springs.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Still standing needs help. Still standing needs help. And it's gone
1: through various uh, uh, interesting uh, permutations over the years, but it's Um, still there.
0: And, oh, I've got an email from... um, Who says, thank you so much for mentioning the Jimenez Facio House. We're doing a project to restore and maintain the coquina in our house, thanks to a grant from DuPont. We're one of the few houses in St. Augustine who still has a house made with coquina. We're part of the Great American Treasures, houses and museums owned and managed by dames all over the country, over 46 of them. Um, We have over 14,000 dames nationally and 850 in Florida. Please come and visit the house, as there are many stories to tell.
1: Yeah, many stories. It's a a really amazing uh, place, as is St. Augustine, which, by the way, also has the old Flagler Hotel, again, built by Henry Flagler, the railroad magnate. Same thing, and they have also preserved it. And it's also a very big tourist attraction. A lot of people go there when they go to St. Augustine.
0: And, Jane, tell us now in our closing minutes about um, what people can expect this weekend, how they can get more information about
3: the market, and when they should go. Um, Yeah, the best place probably is to go to the website, which is thechislersinc.com. Also, uh, so there's an event Friday, which you can buy tickets online six to eight six to eight and then saturday is free it's from nine to three when we'll have the market
1: and do people is this sort of like a garage sale you 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 set it at eight o'clock and people show up two hours early to get in
3: they do they're there like at seven a.m in line waiting to come in
1: so if, if the bargain hunters need to get there early they sure do But although it's free to get in, you are hoping to separate them from their money just a little bit to help with your organization. That's right. Which is a nonprofit. And how many people are in, how many women are involved in your group? We've
3: got close to 300 members. All women? Yes, sir. Wow.
0: (laughs) Um, So coming up next is going to be um, uh, NPR news headlines um, with um, Harris and Nash with three hours of music. Um, and then lots and lots of great music and news and public affairs on WMNF. Um, and
1: on uh, Monday nights, Bob Seymour uh, brings you Jazz at Night. He is a, a fantastic wealth of knowledge about jazz and has some of the best taste of anyone I know who, uh, when it comes to jazz.
0: Yeah, and then also, as we were saying earlier, The Skinny, another great show on WMNF that's um, on Fridays at 11. Recommend tuning into that. Thank but, you. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much for today.
0: Oh, well, thanks for being here. Thanks so much to Linda. Thanks so much to Jane. Um, You're listening to WMNF in Tampa.